This episode of the Enhancement Talent is brought to you by buses, trains, and cars. Because after this week, airplanes and wrestling need to take a break from each other. Like, seriously. While it can be frustrating for a wrestler you see as underrated, being denied the attention that you feel they deserve, it can be equally as frustrating seeing the spotlight taken by a wrestler that you feel is unworthy of such attention. On this episode of The Enhancement Talent, we take a look at the wrestlers that we feel got a little bit too much love. Join us as we count down our top 10 overrated wrestlers of all time. All right. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With me tonight, as always, the other half of the fabulous Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How you doing tonight, Bob? I'm doing good, Sarah. How about yourself? Uh, doing okay. Doing okay. How's the week been treating you? All right. Nothing special. Just working. Just work. Yes, sir. Any, uh, yeah. Any, uh, you know, things on the wrestling front that have been, uh, you know, kind of raising your interest a little bit? Big E won the title recently. He uh, won the, the heavyweight title, cashed in the money in the bank last week. So that was cool, you know, seeing he finally got the uh, championship he deserved. So that was a uh, feel-good moment for him. So other than that, that's, that's been about it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good moment, you know, to witness because a lot of people have been really behind Biggie for a long time. But in you know, they've been waiting for him to cash in the money in the bank ever since he won the the suitcase back in the spring. And he made no secret of it on that episode of Raw. He it was a match between uh, Roman Reigns or not Roman Reigns, um, Bobby Lashley and uh, and Randy Orton, and he basically told, you know. Either one, whoever wins this, I'm cashing in. I'm cashing in the suitcase. Turned out it was Bobby Lashley, and yeah, it was cool. You know, the it was kind of a kind of an extension of when uh, Kofi won it. You know, his, the other guys in the New Day were there to celebrate with them. The crowd went nuts. It was it was a really good moment. Yeah, so yeah, that was really really cool uh, wrestling happening this past week. Um, well. With us as always, our other co-host uh, from beautiful Cary, Illinois, the Warsaw blonde himself, Adam Kolavik. How you doing tonight, Adam? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing okay. How about you? Anything uh, wrestling related you wanted to talk about this week? Yeah, I echo uh, what Bob had to say about Big E. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations to him. Hope he gets a good run with the belt. Um, it's uh give someone else a try and uh, see how it works out. Uh, I find the timing of uh, of the move interesting, given uh, that Raw lost to Dynamite in the in the 18-49 demographic the week prior. Um, but again, uh, we've been saying for weeks, competition's good. Uh, it, it brings out the best in everyone. It, everyone's trying to outdo each other, and then the fans are the real winners. Uh, something that's not very winning this week is transportation. Um, 
you know, between Fuego del Sol losing his car to Miro and uh, and the stories about the plane ride from hell and the dark side of the ring, uh, I think I'm going to be walking a lot of places uh, for the <laughs> next several days. Well, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up before we got into our show today was, yeah, Dark Side of the Ring came back in a big way for the second part of their season, and it caused a huge-ass ripple this uh, this past episode. Of course, they were documenting the uh, story of the plane ride from hell, which was the infamous story of back in 2002, the WWE was coming back. Uh, what was it from England? Correct. Um, it was a flight that they were yeah. coming back from overseas, and for the longest time, you know, that story was told kind of almost comedically. You know, just like wrestlers being wrestlers. You know, all this, you know, just kind of Animal House kind of stuff that was going on. You know, Michael Hayes getting his ponytail chopped off and. You know, Kurt Henning wrestling Brock Lesnar and, you know, all this other shit. You know, Ric Flair, you know, being naked underneath a robe, stuff like that. And it seems like almost every time the story was told, it was told with a wink and a smile. But that's not how this uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode came off at all. This actually had, uh, you know, input from the uh, flight attendant who worked that flight and she went into detail about how, you know, she was basically sexually assaulted on the flight, which was not good. Terry Runnels was interviewed and, you know, she went into detail about some of the shit that she went through. It was just not a good look for a lot of people. Most, most, you know, succinctly it was not a good thing for Ric Flair uh, who, you know, him being naked underneath his robe, that whole thing had a little bit more detail put on it from the flight attendant. You know, basically she said that uh, he made her do things that, you know, I'm not going to repeat here on the episode, but, you know, if you saw the episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Things that would put somebody else in jail for, uh, you know, a pretty significant amount of time if uh, they had done it to somebody else. But, also feeling the effects of it were uh, Tommy Dreamer, who uh, during the episode kind of came to Flair's defense and and kind of uh, threw <coughs> a little bit of shade on what the flight attendant had to say and questioning why she took the payout and stuff like that. And that did not bode well for Tommy Dreamer. He has been suspended indefinitely from his position over at Impact. Uh, I think the same thing goes with his with his gig on a busted open radio, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, he's kind of feeling the effects of this episode as well. A few other guys just were not. It just did not paint them in a positive light. Terry Runnels uh, accused Brock Lesnar of exposing himself to her. Uh, there was other things there. Scott Hall you know, who was fired after the whole thing was uh, accused of some other sexually not, you know, some borderline criminal things himself. It was just not a good look for the industry as a whole. Um, you guys saw the episode, right, Bob? What were you or your impressions of uh, that uh, episode of Dark Side of the Ring about the flight from hell? 
Um, I think the whole series as a whole is very, very good. It gives you a deep, um, detailed look at so many things. Um, it was a great episode because uh, we've heard the story many, many, many times before. Uh, but it was a great episode, especially to have you know the cast and the characters that they had involved. I wish they would have had more people involved. Um, because one of the things that Adam mentioned in a text, um, I think the following day when we we discussed it, was uh, they kept mentioning that Vince McMahon was in, uh, sitting front row uh, with Jr. and Terry Runnels and Linda McMahon. But um, a few days later, Jonathan Coachman came out. And Jonathan Coachman said himself, um, I was also on the plane and Vince McMahon was not there. Um, so when he comes out and he says that, you know, and he detailed why Vince McMahon would have not been on the plane um, and pretty much says had Vince McMahon been on the plane, that shit would have never happened. Um, you know, it kind of puts more information into detail with regards to that. Uh, I wish they would have interviewed Jonathan Coachman. You know, he obviously he was a big part as an announcer at that time. Um, you know, he said he was never reached uh, by the people who were involved uh, in documenting it. Um, I remember many years ago, I, I picked up Missy Hyatt's book and I read her book. And she pretty much said that the stuff that Ric Flair would do is the stuff that Ric Flair would do back in the day as well. And she's like, I'll always remember the quote. Uh, you want to, you want to know what Ric Flair's penis looks like? Just think of Ric Flair, you know, just put hair on it and it's this Ric Flair. And I remember that's what she wrote in her book. And I'm like, wow. You know, like, and she's like, and then even afterwards she came out on Twitter recently and said, you know, all the stuff that they discussed, this was normal back in the day. Um, you know, when, when she was in the wrestling business and it's just like, it sucks, you know, especially for females back then. Like, like, like they told Terry Runnels was just told, you know, keep it on the download. Don't, don't sell it was a quote that they kept using. Mm -hmm. Um, Maria Canellis, Maria Bennett, as, as she's called as well. Same thing. You know, she said she went through a whole bunch of shit when she was there in her first run and she, they would always just tell her, don't sell it, don't sell it. And it's just like, it just sucks because, you know. The women are a part of it, the industry as well. You know, they've been since we, we discussed Moolah back in the day. And it's just like even Moolah would say it, it, you had to sleep with people to get through, with, you know, to make it big in the business. And, and I refuse to do that. And it's just like it just sucks when you hear all this stuff about it and how women are treated. It's just it, it's it puts a damper on the sport that you love so much, unfortunately, you know. But um, like I said, there's it is I, I love the the series for what they do um it, it was just one of those episodes that was kind of hard to watch because when you actually watch it and you hear more and more about it just it's kind of frustrating and then the internet is a uh it's a rough place to be too because you know people dig and deep and dig deep for a bunch of shit and the airline attendant that uh they had on the show the one that pretty much told her story um they scoop up shit on her that, you know, she was involved in a big jewelry heist back in the day. And, you know, her and her husband were involved in that. And they showed her her mug shots all over the Internet, too. And it's just like, well, now you're digging her name in the dirt. And it's just like, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it, it's just a fucked up situation the whole, the whole way around, you know. And, you know, I, I, I that one clip where Rob Van Dam said, you know, it was like guys spiking yeah drinks that that was just that's just what they did back in the day 
and just that admission and just the way he says it so matter of factly, not that Rob Adams condoning it. I don't think he was when he said it. No. It's just what just what he how he said it and just like, yeah, yeah it was H bombs they would call them. It was like Halcyon pills in, in somebody's drink. You know, it he was just like that was just what people did. And, and it was just to piggyback on top of that, Rob Van Dam came out today and he released a co- couple of comments on it. And he said that, you know, the way he was portrayed when he made that comment, he's like, it's just really due to really clever editing on the people who made the documentary. He's like, um, you know, they cut and paste the parts that they want to put in together. And that's how it made me look. But um, again, Jonathan Coachman came out and said that that was something that they would do on a lot of flights. They would put... Um, Cause they did that to Michael Cole or not Michael Cole, Michael Hayes. And that's how he passed out. Um, so Jonathan coachman said he and a bunch of the referees were all friends together and they would look out for each other. So that way their, their drinks were not spiked. So that way shit wouldn't happen to them while they were falling asleep on the plane as well. So it's just like, it, it seemed yeah. to be something that would just, you know, uh, be like a running joke that they would do all the time on, on plane rides and shit. And it's just like, Wow, Michael Michael Hayes got the brunt end of it, and I I loved when they said they put his ponytail on the wall. That was that was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I rem- just like the the moment that stuck out to me. One of the moments that stuck out to me the most was, you know, they asked J- Jim Ross, Jr. It was like, well, all this stuff happened. Why why weren't why wasn't anything done to Flair? Why didn't he get punished more than he did? And he just matter of fact it was like well because he's rick flair yeah, he's a, you yeah. know he, yeah he's a made man you know and it's just like man it's wow you know and and there were you know there was these rumors that uh rick flair was supposed to come into aew to be andrade's uh manager you know i think that's pretty much in the can mm-hmm. now uh <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's yeah it's it was just nuts how about you adam what were your takeaways from the episode yeah, I mean it was it was quite the um, ugly um, exposing of how different the wrestling business was back then and how different times were. Um, I'm hoping um, and I'm and I'm pretty sure, but I'm, I'm not backstage at any of these places. But the women are treated better because you know, yeah, all that stuff uh, with, with Terry Reynolds and. Uh, and the flight attendant and all that with Scott Hall, I never knew that, uh, that, that, that took place. I just thought, uh, I had heard he had gotten fired because of, uh, just being drunk and on drugs all the time on that tour and not being able to perform. They just had had enough, but you know, if that was going on too, obviously that's, uh, that's another reason why he got fired. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, you know, Bob is describing, you know, what Rob Van Dam was talking about and, and coach and, and the H-bombs and all this. And it, it just sounds like a, a, a flying fraternity, you know, it's like a flying frat house with a bunch of <laughs> 30, 40, 50 year old men acting like children, basically. Yeah. Um, I was listening to um, Jim Cornette's, some of his podcasts uh, on my way home from work. I didn't finish it, but uh, he did have the one of the producers of, um, of Dark Side of the Ring on, and he did ask him about uh, the discrepancy between uh, what Coachman had to say and what the, the show said about Vince being on the flight. And uh, the producer said everyone that he talked to for the special um, 
corroborated and said, yeah, Vince was on the flight. So they're they're trying to look into what really is the truth, but everyone that they had interviewed for the special said that Vince was there. And yeah, it, that, that was the thing too. Yeah, like, Bob, when you said that Coach said he wasn't there, it's like, well, yeah, that 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 it doesn't add up. I I maybe maybe Coach. I don't know. I don't know why he would why he would lie. Maybe that's he's not. the thing. Maybe I don't it, think he has a reason to. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, they talked to six seven people, and according to the producer, they all said Vince was there. So yeah, and not only was Vince there, he didn't get involved. I guess he he made Jr. pretty much. Mm-hmm handle everything you know and i felt so, sorry for him there uh Cornette on the same podcast said that uh that it wasn't the first time that jr was was sent to uh to defuse those kinds of things and there were other flights obviously not as hellacious as that but you know he was you know he was in charge of talent relations at the time and he had the inevitable task of settling these people down and 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 you know playing warden and all that stuff and well, sh- well shit look at look at the reason why jr got fired from wwe at the end because he couldn't he couldn't reel in uh rick flair when he got drunk at that uh that uh press conference for the video game you know flair was drunk off his ass and whatever and they took it out on jr because they said jr should have uh intervened you know so again flair didn't get any kind of discipline it was the other people around that did and that was the last time you ever saw jr in any kind of professional capacity with wwe so who knows man it's just a weird fucking situation yeah and it really is and and um yeah as far as tommy dreamer goes i was very surprised though to hear him stand up for for flair the way he did um you know I, when I watched it, I was kind of my mouth was kind of open. I said, uh, uh, "This isn't going to go over well <laughs> um, at yeah. all in this day and age." And it's it, you know, it, if there's a positive that can be taken out of it, uh, our society in, in that regard has come a long way in in terms of that. Um, yeah. you know, I don't think that shit flies anymore. I've, I've heard other stories that wrestlers have shit in women's uh, bags backstage and stuff like that. Just treated treated them yeah. very badly and you know a joke's a joke but you know um you know there's owen heart ribs and there's and there's stuff like that was going on in this and it's like like bob said it's just it's it's a shame to just hear uh you know the sport you love and guys you you watch and enjoy uh you know just making unfortunate choices uh the last thing i'll say is uh cornet also said um uh, you know, why was it allowed to have three liquor carts on that flight? You know, because they're talking about they had one. They had one when they're still on the ground, and they still and they were on the ground for hours, and they had two more. Like you know, that that's never a good idea either. No, you know, coupled with whatever crap the wrestlers had on them. So, well, that was the thing too. I mean, they they tell the stories of the you know cleaning up the plane afterward, all the mm-hmm. syringes that were there and vomit all over the place it was just like oh god it, was, it sounds awful you know and it's i don't know man it's just like i said just a fucked up situation and yeah it 
just thinking, just thinking about, it, I was like, you, you hear all kind of like the older school wrestlers making fun of the newer wrestlers about how they, they don't go out to drink anymore and all this other stuff. All they do is just sit backstage and play video games or they play video games at the hotel. And it's like, well, wouldn't you rather have your wrestlers doing that than the shit that they did on the, on the plane ride from hell for Christ's right. sakes, you know, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather have uh Adam Cole in his Twitch channel than fucking Scott Hall getting wheeled out of a plane because he's almost dead. You know, it's Jesus. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'll give a shout out. Um, yeah, the show is very well done. And it, it and the thing that I really like, you know, when I first started watching the show is like, what's with these reenactments? Because, you know, I've seen other shows do that reenactments, like the the E! True Hollywood Story did a reenactment of Elvis Presley's death. And it literally showed a half closed bathroom door with someone sitting on the toilet. And I'm like, come on, this is just so cheesy, right? But, but these guys do a great job of setting the scene. And um, getting you in the scene and, and picturing in your head just what it was like. You felt like you were there, and it was like, oh, God, you know, I felt myself backing off the couch, like, stay the hell away from me. Don't knock yeah. me out, <laughs> Angle, and not Angle, uh, Lesnar and Kurt Heading, please. Please don't yeah. open that door. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, it's just a hell of a story. You know, and like I said, Dark Side of the Moon is back with its the second half of its season. So hopefully, you know, that won't be the only thing we'll be talking about as far as that show goes. So yeah, there we go. All right. Well, let's get into the topic at hand, gentlemen. Uh, Last week, our show, of course, was our top 10 underrated wrestlers of all time. Uh, So we decided to just do the reverse on this week's episode and do our top 10 overrated wrestlers of all time yeah so whereas last week we had our picks of guys who didn't get enough of the spotlight now is the uh our picks of guys who maybe got too much of it undeservingly uh bob we'll start with you when you think of guys who are overrated um what really comes to mind like what 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 like attributes of an overrated wrestler do you really think of I think exactly what you just mentioned right now, those that were uh, pretty much force-fed down our throats for too much TV time that shouldn't have had it. Um, last week, we talked about the people that flew under the radar, steal the shows on many matches, um, made their opponents look great, and now we're talking about people that uh, were given that TV time uh, but didn't deserve it. Um, some of these people had the look, the, uh, the it factor, um, the appearance, the technical skill, but they've faulted in so many different other areas. And many times they just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed, thinking that maybe it would finally come, but it never did. Um, you know, they're, they're given every opportunity to pretty much be the best ever, and, and here's the ball, go run with it. And they just leave the ball there, don't go anywhere. But yet TV, uh, WCW, WWF, they're just like, no, let's just keep doing it because – We've invested so much time with the vignettes and the character and everything that we've done. Um, so we got to keep pushing this person. But yet the crowd, you know, realizes it and says, no, this person's actually shit. Uh, we don't want to see this person on TV anymore. And, and they let you know. And uh, the good thing is eventually after being force fed too many times, they they end up going away. But these are people, in my opinion, that were 
given belts that didn't deserve belts, given a lot of uh, TV time that didn't deserve it over other people that were definitely deserving. And uh, that's what I look forward on talking about today. Nice. How about you, Adam? Same question. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same vein here. Um, I'm looking at my list now, and these are guys who, uh, you know, some of them actually had runs with important titles. Not all of them, but but a good chunk of them. Um, you know, some of them never should have won the title in the first place, in my opinion. Some of them uh, maybe should have had it as many times as they did. Some of them might have made evented pay per views when. You had other guys in the back who were so much better and, and would have put on a much better match. Um, yeah, uh, the phrase that Bob used that I that I was thinking of when I made mine was uh, jamming it down our throats. Just, you know, uh, some of these guys on my list have had, you know, the same name, but eight or nine different incarnations of that name or variations thereof uh, where they're virtually the same person. They just tweak the name or they tweak the, um, not, not on my list, but, uh, you know, triple H, uh, I, I infamously remember the, uh, the Russell crap book saying after, you know, 20 personality and theme song changes, triple H finally got over. Um, you know, that's, it's kind of like that, except these people never got over in my opinion, or, or they put people to sleep or, so, yeah, that's I'm just looking at guys who took up way too much TV time, too much spotlight, too many main events on pay-per-views when there's other talent in the back waiting for their chance uh, that they never got. Um, and Vince or, or WCW or whoever else just got enamored with these people for some reason and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't put them where they belong, which was, you know, dark matches <laughs> or nowhere at all. Uh, well, we're going to put the uh, even more spotlight on guys who didn't deserve it right now in our top 10 list of overrated wrestlers of all time. Like we do every week, me, Bob, and Adam, we get our own list going, and then we hand it all in. It's compiled together. And based on how we have these wrestlers on our list, they're assigned a point value, and that's put over into our master list, which I will be reading off of. Um, and like we do every week before we get to our number one pick, we have five honorable mentions that we will bring up. These mentions are picks that didn't get enough points to make our top 10, but did get enough points to at least garner a mention. All right. Well, let's start with number 10 on our list, boys. Number 10 on our list comes in with seven and a half points. And they got the seven and a half points from being an honorable mention on Bob's list. And Adam, you had this particular wrestler at number four on your list. Tough guy. It's Hacksaw Jim Duggan coming in at number 10 with seven and a half points. Adam, we'll start with you. What do you have to say about Hacksaw? I'm going to start off by saying uh, he beat Steve Austin for the U.S. title in under a minute. That alone gets you in the top five. Uh, when um, I guess I'll have to hit the rewind button and go back to earlier in his career. But, I mean, you know, you, you hear that sentence, Steve Austin, one of the greatest uh, to ever lace up the boots, had to do a job to this guy in under a minute. That shows you just how intelligent WCW booking was. Um, Hacksaw, of course, I'm not going to – I don't want to hate on him completely. I mean, he was over with the fans. It was It was fun. 
Uh, but the guy is not main event material. Um, I can remember punches. I can remember kicks and clotheslines and three-point stance into a, a clothesline, which is one of the lamest finishing moves ever, um, in my opinion. Um, the guy just, he was just a straight-up brawler. Um, nothing too special. And, yeah, he carried a two-by-four, and he made funny faces and, and stuff. And, yeah, uh, obviously he was over, especially the WWF, for many years. But, again, not main event material. Um, you know, his big gimmick, of course, was he was a big patriot, and he'd do the USA chant. He'd carry the flag to the ring. So, you know, that, that always helps to get you over with the fans also. Um so, um, you know, that was most of his WWF career. Uh, he, he formed a tag team with Sergeant Slaughter. Um, once Slaughter uh, became American again after turning his back on the American fans and supporting Iraq. Um, and basically, um, Hacksaw was used because Hogan uh, was on hiatus and they needed someone to get Yokozuna over. So Hacksaw got the main event matches against then WWE champion Yokozuna. Uh, those matches are as exciting as they were as exciting as they sound. Um, I saw one of them at a house show in I want to say 1993, and and you could hear people's conversations in the audience because nobody was into it. It was just not good wrestling. Um, so, uh, then Hogan gets a job at WCW, Hacks as his buddy, so as I alluded to earlier, uh, Duggan comes in and beats a, a young up-and-coming Steve Austin for the U.S. title after Austin had gotten the belt from, uh, Ricky Steamboat, um, which is, you know, great matches between the two, and then Steamboat gets hurt, Austin gets awarded the title, and he has the job to hack Jim Duggan. I just think it was just a a uh, watershed moment in WCW history going, uh, we don't give a shit about young talent. Uh, we're not looking towards the future. We're going to bring in Vince's guys, uh, Hogan's buddies, and we're going to make this the WWF from 1985 to 1991 all over again. And it was a very symbolic uh, move there. Um, so, again... Uh, I think partially because of his friendship with Hogan and, and, and all that and him being a name from the past, Duggan just always got TV time when you have, again, all sorts of up-and-comers in the back, either opening matches, wrestling dark matches, wrestling on Saturday night, WCW Saturday night, just so Hogan's buddies could get their TV time. I mean, even when Vince Russo was there, he had something for Hacksaw Jim Duggan to do when you could have had some other guys uh tearing up the ring like the cruiserweights. So, yeah, um, I think Duggan is a perfect example of somebody who just got way too much TV time, couldn't go in the ring, and was kind of one-dimensional. So that's why he's number four on my list, tough guy. All right. Bob, you had him as an honorable mention. What do you got to say about Jim Duggan? I agree perfectly with Adam with the fact where he mentions, you know, Hulk Hogan was his buddy. And at that time, when Hogan was in WCW, anyone that had any kind of friendship with Hogan was catered to when they came over. Uh, Honky Tonk Man, the Nasty Boys, Brutus Beefcake, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Hacksaw being one of them. Hacksaw was a WCW TV champ and a U.S. champ. And for some reason, he's in the Hall of Fame for the WWF um, 2011. He was inducted. 
Hacksaw was known as first for being the first person to ever win an acknowledged Royal Rumble. Um, you know, that's what he was pretty much known for. And other than that, uh, I really feel like he had no significance when it came to wrestling. I mean, WCW used him in a gimmick where he was a janitor for a while. I don't know if you remember that, if you were watching at that time, but he was a janitor. And he finds a TV title that Scott Hall had thrown in the trash, and he starts using it as a title for himself. So he became TV champ. Um, he uh, His character never progressed throughout his entire career. Like Adam said, he was a brawler. You know, we were we were used to the punches, the kicks, the clotheslines. Adam mentioned his whole arsenal. But there was never any character progression or character change throughout his entire career. I mean, he was the, that American foil that would battle all the bad guys from foreign country. Dino Bravo, Boris Zukov, Nikolai Volkov, Yokozuna, like Adam mentioned. And then for some reason, WCW says, let's put him with Team Canada and make him Canadian. If you remember that. Um, and, and then he would feud with the misfits in action and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, he came in, he, he defeats Stone Cold or stunning Steve Austin at that time at 35 seconds, which was a damn shame. But I mean, to me, he got all this TV time. But th- if you really, really sit back and think as a wrestling fan, what was Hacksaw Jim Duggan known for besides the two by four? The, the USA, the patriotism. I mean, I always remember him as being busted with the, uh, the Iron Sheik when they got busted, you know, driving a car together by the police and they got caught for a DUI and the drug paraphernalia. And it was huge at that time in 87 when it happened because good guys and bad guys should not be in the car hanging out together. And here, here they are. <laughs> yeah. And it pretty much said, oh, shit, you know, now we have to give up the business and, you know, tell them what it is that happened. Iron Sheik gets fired. Hacksaw gets laid off for a little bit before he's brought back. But, um, yeah, he was, like I said, uh, just force fed throughout the TV. Never any character progression throughout. You just had Hacksaw Jim Duggan the same all the way through. And like I said, I don't think he uh, deserved that much TV time instead of other people. So, yeah. Um, I had to put him on the list as, as an honorable mention because I guess there's more people that stand out of, ahead of him, but he was definitely on there. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I whenever I saw Jim Duggan, you know, it, it always seemed to me it's like if if you go down to like a bowling alley and just pick up some <laughs> dude who is just on a – like some random dude from a bowling team and be like, hey – you want to wrestle? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, here's a two by four and an American flag. Go knock yourself out. That's basically what <laughs> Jim Duggan was to me. He just he had, you know, I guess charisma, but it was just you know, just basically getting in the ring, yelling like a moron, and <laughs> you know, just r- punching and kicking and clotheslining people. That's all he had, mm-hmm. you know. And it was you know. I don't know. I I never got it. I never understood it. I didn't know why he was so over. I I even even at that young of an age, like I was like ten or eleven years old when he was really, really over. And I just he, I just could not. Like I I I couldn't get it with Jim Duggan. It just it was beyond me. But and, and what was the point? I mean, Hogan was the real American. And then you had Sergeant Slaughter most of the time. I mean, he had the heel turn, but he was, you know, he was waving the flag. Did you need a third flag waver? The Patriot. Wow. That badly? Yeah. The Patriot. Him, him too. Yeah. 
But, yeah. Well, there you go. Jim Duggan coming in at number 10 on our list with seven and a half points. All right. Let's get to number nine on our list. Number nine. Hey, Bob. We got a tie at number nine. Yes, we do. Each each pick coming in with eight points. Uh, Our first pick coming in with eight points got it because they were number three on Adam's list. We are talking about the one Billy Gunn coming in at number nine on our list. Adam, why do you think Billy Gunn was overrated? No one else had him. I'm surprised. No. Uh, the guy's still sucking up TV time to this day, uh, first of all. Um, uh, talk about just not getting somebody. Uh, that's that's one I just never got. Um uh, Billy Gunn, uh, to his credit, stuck around the WWF. It seemed like for fifty years, um, you know, he was pretty much introduced in the tag team the Smoking Guns. Um, won the tag belt several times with Bart. Um, that was amongst uh, the weakest period in tag team wrestling in WWE history. So take that for what it's worth. Um, then, uh, then they split the team up, and as they do, and they they. You always have your Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty or your Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. Who's going to be the star and who's going to be the one left in the dust? And unfortunately for Barty, was left in the dust and um, also concussed by Butterbean. Um, so they decide to make Billy a single and start a push um, and uh, call him Rockabilly, uh, one of Bob's favorite theme music. Um, and, you know, uh, that 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 went over like a fart in church. And so he becomes part of the new age outlaws. Um, and I'll give the new age outlaws their due. I have on past shows about tag teams. They were one, uh, one of the best tag teams of the attitude era. And that was where he was definitely best utilized. Billy Gunn in my mind is a tag team wrestler. He is not a singles wrestler, but, but that didn't stop the WWF from trying over and over and over again to make him something. Um, he, I, I'm going to go down here to his title history. I believe he definitely won the IC belt. He did. Um, I, yeah, he won the IC belt once. Uh, he was the 1999 King of the Ring, and they had him primed for a feud with The Rock, and The Rock defused that by uh, humiliating him, him in the promo, and which is one of my personally uh, personal favorite Rock moments. Is this to me the guy just, you know, he had, he had no, no charisma to me. Um, you know, when we were having our Billy Gunn Memorial uh, tribute show, when we're talking about our least favorite theme songs, I mean, one of his gimmicks was he was China's friend, and that was literally his gimmick. And then he was Mr. Ass and the Ass Man and that wonderful team with uh, Chuck Palumbo. It's just, I can't, other than the New Age Outlaws, I can't think of anything in his long career that he does. Uh, that really excites me or does anything for me as a wrestling fan. Um, he did a good job of uh, holding um, holding a place uh, in the front row for Dynamite when they were in the pandemic era. He, he filled the seat very nicely. I'll give him credit there. Um, and now he got himself in an angle at the big show, uh, which I'm sorry, uh, Paul White. And uh, I'm really hoping that they don't have a match because – that's not going to be very good. Um, I just, I don't get it. I mean, 
He's got a lot of experience. I can see why he would be employed with AEW. Uh, I know he's trained guys and worked backstage, but as a wrestler, I mean, I can't name any memorable moments other than uh, anything he did with DX or the New Age Outlaws. Uh, he's strictly a tag wrestler, and, and for some reason, Vincent company just had to hand it to this guy he thought he was going to be a star and the rock didn't think he was going to be a star obviously either so uh yeah this that's just one that just got jammed down my throat way too many times yeah i mean billy gunn it just seemed like he seemed like that utility player that the coach just never wants to cut you know he's just like oh well i'll, I'll find a space for him somewhere you know that's that's kind of what Billy Gunn seemed so like. Tommy like was Stella. Yeah, pretty much. Like, okay. Yeah, Vince just was like, well, I could just cut him because he's kind of worthless. But no, nah, no, nah, I like him. We'll keep him around. That that basically was was Billy Gunn's career. You know, he, you know, from the smoking guns all the way to Chuck and Billy, it was just, you know, the only thing that he could take away was the New Age Outlaws, and the only thing he contributed to that was, you know, I've got two words for you, suck it, and that all that did was just prove that he could count to two. So, yeah, I just, I, I never got Billy Gunn either, so I, I could see how he made th- make this list. Uh, how about you, Bob? Anything to add for Billy Gunn? I mean, like you said, he was more of a tag team specialist, like with the New Age Outlaws and, and um, you know, Chuck and Billy and stuff that he did. I mean, he even they even run and rehashed the gimmick again all over again in TNA when they were over there. Um, but when you're talking about that, that super utility, man, I mean, and I think that's a perfect example. And if I'm trying to think of a modern day Billy Gunn, I mean, for some reason, Dolph Ziggler pops into my head. It's just pretty much yeah. the same, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, Billy Gunn, it is what it is. Yeah, there you go. And he comes in at number nine with eight points tied with our other pick here at number nine with eight points. And this pick got the eight points from being number three on my list. I'm probably going to catch some shit for this one, but I don't care. It's Jerry the King Lawler that I have at number nine here with eight points. Now, Jerry Lawler, you know, the reason I have him on my list and so high on my list, I have him at number three. You just look at the amount of championships that this guy has won, you know, it's in like the hundreds if you really want to cut, get down to it. And just he never did it for me as a wrestler. He just never has. He was just sure he had some charisma. But, you know, outside of Memphis where he's treated as a god, you know, when was he ever really super over anywhere? You know, I mean, he's a he's a great mic worker. He's a really good heel. But he's just, he's just, his abilities never really clicked with me on why he was so decorated as he was. And then when he finally got, was done with wrestling and he made the transition over into a uh, commentary, you know, him and JR, of course, were are this legendary team and everybody goes on. It's like, oh, the King and JR, that was, that was really, that was really the, the pinnacle of, of wrestling commentary. No, I I got annoyed as fuck with J- with Jerry Lawler on commentary most of the time, you know, his catchphrases, the puppies and his screaming and all this other shit. I'm like, more often than not, I, I was, I, I was, I was happy as hell 
when he got fired or when he quit, when they, when they fired the cat and he went with her and Paul Heyman took over for him. Cause I was like, holy shit, a guy who actually knows what he's talking about. Awesome. Yeah. I'm all about Paul Heyman, you know? And then when Lawler came back, I was just like, ah, fuck, here we go. So like in, in both aspects, in his wrestling and his commentary, I've always thought he was just very overrated. And that's why I put him at number three on my list. Like I said, it may be uh, hearsay and blasphemy for a lot of people, him being that high on my list, but I just, I'm speaking from my heart. And yeah, Jerry Lawler just didn't do it for me. Um, Bob, do you have anything to add on Jerry Lawler? Um, no, I, I actually agree with you. And and he was one I kind of overlooked only because I have someone else on my list that's uh, very Jerry Lawler-esque, um, which I'm hopefully we really talk about him. But um, no, when I sit and I think about it, I mean, I think if if one of us was from Memphis, then yeah, that would be blasphemous to us. But like you said, uh, who did Jerry Lawler beat? You know, <laughs> it, it's just like you said, he was yeah. a champ like a hundred a hundred something times. And and I, I'll always remember the uh, the quote they used to say about Ric Flair when he, you know, he, oh, Ric Flair was 15, cha- uh, 15 time champ. And it's just like, well, that means he also lost the belt 15 times. So if Jerry Lawler was champion 78,000 times, he's also lost the belt 78,000 times, yeah. you know, like, so it's just, yeah, I, I, I get where the people say that, you know, he was the voice of the WWE during the, you know, they're in the Attitude Era because, yeah, him and Jim Ross were. And that's what we would listen to. That's what we would tune into all the time. And uh, I would take Jerry Lawler over your boy Mongo McMichael any day. But um, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the quirkiness of him, the 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 giggles and the laughs he would do in the catchphrases. Yeah, I, I wasn't for that. But when he was when they were together and they were in on it, you know, you 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 enjoyed listening to them too. But when it actually came to his wrestling career in the WWF, I mean he really didn't have much of one, you know, besides his Bret Hart feud at the very beginning. But um yeah, if if you think of his career that he had in Memphis and uh, over there, then I, I could clearly one hundred percent see where you're coming from. So Nice. How about you, Adam? Anything to add for Jerry Lawler? Not that I'm one to make a controversial pick or anything, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, I I could I, I when you said it, I said yeah, I could totally see that. Um, you know, uh, I used to watch uh, when I was in junior high. I'd get home from school at three o'clock, and the USWA would be on ESPN at three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, four times a week, I think. And I knew of Jerry Lawler from wrestling magazines and seeing how many times he won the title and all that, like you guys mentioned. And I'm like, oh, man, well, I got to see this guy wrestle. So you know, I watch him wrestle in USWA, and I'm like, what's all this guy can do? You know, his repertoire was somewhat limited. Um, yeah, for him, uh, it's, it's definitely the gift of gab. You know, again, we were kind of talking about um, when we did our – our, our uh, wrestlers in movies, you know, the, the stuff he did with Andy Kaufman and, you know, when he was on, you know, like uh, Bob mentioned the Bret Hart stuff. I, I liked all that and a few of the other feuds he had. Um, but yeah, yeah. The catchphrases did get annoying um, during the attitude era that, that, that got a little overdone, but yeah. Um, again, talking solely about his ring performance, you know, he was another guy, a lot of punches and, 
yeah, he had the pile driver and and uh, coming off the top rope, he wasn't exactly Brian Pillman or Jushin Liger or anyone like that. Um, I, I just am reading here that uh, dude, you know, we make fun of Terry Funk, but this dude is 71 years old and he just competed in a casket match against Enzo Amore in August after he had a heart attack in the ring, you know, less than 10 years ago. So uh, that's, uh, to me, that shows that he, you know, people like that think they have something to prove or something. So, no, uh, in terms of some of the legends, you know, he's a legendary name, but uh, certainly um, no one's going to confuse him with Dean Malenko. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. At number nine, we had a tie, each coming in with eight points between Jerry the King Lawler and badass Billy Gunn. All right, let's move to number eight on our list. Number eight comes in with nine points, and he got the nine points from being number two on Adam's list. (laughs) We are talking about the master of the stomp himself, rugged Ronnie Garvin, coming in at number eight. Adam. Tell us about the overratedness of Ronnie Garvin. Um, one of our past episodes, too, is um, worst uh, moves of all time. And he was my clear-cut winner um, at number one. Uh, his finishing maneuver was was literally stomping a guy and then pinning him. Now, uh, I'll be honest, I don't know his pre-WWE career. I do know that uh, prior to his... Uh, WWF days. He was in the NWA and he actually owns a NWA world title victory over Ric Flair. And that he does, yes. That blows my fucking mind. Because the Barney Garvin I saw in in WWF was uh not to steal your your, your phrases, Tony, but vanilla as fuck to the core. <laughs> the guy just you talk about a brawler, you talk about a guy who had nothing under the hood. Um you know, he just looked like some dude, uh, I don't know, at the VFW on a Friday night. And, and, uh, there was nothing nothing exciting about him, nothing that makes me go, boy, I want to watch this guy wrestle. And the fact that he actually got the, the NWA title uh, once when, you know, there are guys, like, again, I'm talking like Arn Anderson never got to wear the title, you know, Tully Blanchard, just the name two off the top of my head. Um, you know, other great competitors uh, in, in the NWA. You know, Rick, he has as many NWA win uh, titles as Ricky Steamboat had, but there's another one. I, I just, you know, I guess his his uh, his moniker was the hand the hands of stone, and you know that means he could punch good. It just again, um, I remember him having a match with Greg the Hammer Valentine, I think, at the Royal Rumble. And that was boring as hell. Uh, just uh, I just the guy who is that boring and to, to own a victory over Ric Flair really sticks in my cross, especially when he has the lamest move in the history of professional wrestling, in my opinion. So I had to put him high on my list. Yeah. Yeah, I've always felt that Ronnie Garvin was just a guy. You know, he was just, you know, for whatever reason, he got a push there. Uh, but... Yeah, there was really nothing to set him apart from the pack. You know, he was just just a guy. He was, if he had been a jobber, it would have been just as well because you know it would have had the same impact on me watching as him winning. 
to be honest with you. So, yeah, and yeah, I could. And they're jobbers we covered on their jobbers show uh, that uh, had much more charisma, in my opinion. Brooklyn <laughs> yeah. Brawler, Barry Horowitz. Barry Miles Horowitz above. had, yeah, Barry Horowitz had charisma for days compared yeah, to Ronnie Miles, Garvin. Miles apart. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe not Tom Stone, but. Yeah, well. And Tom Stone just gave me my pills the other day, so I'm yeah. very thankful. Nobody could touch Tom Stone. Hell no. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Garvin, yeah, I could see, I could see him being on this list. How about you, uh, uh, Bob? You have anything to add about the rugged one? <laughs> the rugged Ronnie Garvin. Actually, uh, real quick, you just mentioned uh, Jerry Lawler. Uh, Jerry Lawler just wrestled two days ago. Um, he had oh, a better. He had a match with Scott Steiner. Um, at a like a, I guess he did like a convention recently over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, he main evented against Scott Steiner. So if you want to look that up uh, as your match of the week recipient, you might be able to enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah, um, it sounds like a barn burner. I, I, I remember Ronnie Garvin, like Adam mentioned, uh, you know, Royal Rumble, Greg O'Hammer, Valentine. And um, he was just, like, robotic to me. Like, he, he just very slow moving the punches, the kicks. Again, there was nothing really special about Ronnie Garvin to me. I'll always remember a wonderful interview that he did. Um, where he came out and, and and speaking on the topic, he said that Dusty Rhodes is very overrated, that Dusty Rhodes never drew any money. And uh, <laughs> when I heard that comment, it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard of. But um, I, I really don't care much for Ronnie Garvin. I don't think I ever would. Uh, maybe he was like a high-level mid-carder where he should have been, but how he got that that title shot over, you know, you know in the championship, uh, beyond me, so. Yeah. Yeah, for him to call Dusty overrated, that's Jesus. Yeah, the 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 most over guy in Florida championship wrestling history, and but Ronnie Garvin knows knows what's up. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Anyway, Ronnie Garvin, there we go with nine points coming in with num at number eight on our list. All right, let's move to number seven on our list. Number seven comes in with ten points. And he got those 10 points from being number one on my list. Now, if Jerry Lawler was going to get me some shit, this one I have a feeling is definitely going to give get me some shit, but I don't care, brother. <laughs> I have Hulk Hogan here at number seven <laughs> with 10 points because I had Hulk Hogan number one on my personal list. Now, as, as Bob, you know, and Adam, I, I, I've told you as well, when I was a kid, I was such a Hogan mark. I was. Bob, you know the story. Me, you know, I was crying when, you know, when I could I couldn't watch I couldn't watch him do the job to the warrior. I had to leave the room. <laughs> you know, and with a it, tear it in just, your eye. With a tear in my eye. But uh but yeah, it going from a Hogan mark and then just, you know, as I get older and I just realize God, he was not a good wrestler. He just was not. And the 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 what made him number one on my list, okay, is yes, there's plenty of worse wrestlers in the history of wrestling than Hulk Hogan, but not as many bad wrestlers reached the heights that Hulk Hogan reached. Hulk Hogan was the face of wrestling for over a decade, you know, and for him to do that with a limited wrestling repertoire, just basically coasting off of his charisma, you know, 
that to me that's overrated you know at least a lot of the other guys that are in that best uh, best ever you know conversation your rick flairs your undertakers your sean michaels your you know bruno san martinos those kinds of guys they they run circles around hogan in the ring as far as wrestling ability you know hogan never had the ability but just off of charisma alone, he was able to be the face of wrestling for a very, very long time. And, you know, and, and the, you know, the political bullshit too, I'm not going to lie, you know, had a, had a edge in, in my determining him being overrated, but, you know, to me, that's just he, him not really deserving everything that he, he, he got, you know, a lot of it was thrown at him. A lot of it was given to him and a lot of it he politicked for when there were guys, you know, that definitely could have been in that top tier over him, guys who were just as charismatic, but better in the ring. Yet he was the one who, who, who was the chosen one. So that's why I had Hogan number one on my list. Um, Bob, I mean, do you have anything to say about Hogan as far as his overratedness? I mean, I know you love Hogan. You loved Hogan too. I mean, what do you have to say about him? We, uh, I, I briefly talked to you about him during the week when we, we spoke. And um, I really wanted to put Hogan on my list because I agree with you and, and the very limited moveset that he had. Um, you know, I think if you name any fan of Hogan and tell him, tell me Hulk Hogan's top five moves they'll, they'll tell you that and then you say give me five more and they can't you know um but it, it's i kind of separated in two ways I, I put it you know the 80s rock and wrestling hogan and how he revolutionized wrestling for me and i think that's what made me keep him off the list because obviously he revolutionized wrestling but if i would have just cut it at that and you know, just left it there. He, I wouldn't have put him on my list. But when I think of the, the the WCW reign, where you know he was with, he comes in and he wins the belt automatically from Flair, and he's at the NWO and he he's champ forever and never loses the belt. And when he would lose the belt, he didn't want to lose it cleanly to Sting and other other you know times he would you know lose the belt. But if it was just that, then 100% would have been high up on my list just because his later career after he went to WCW and WWF again, um, yeah, that's all I could think about was how, again, very limited moveset. But uh, one of the things I saw was people wanted to see Hulk Hogan. You know, there, there's people on this list. We, we talked about Jim Duggan. When Jim Duggan comes out, obviously I can't compare Hogan and Duggan, you know, never in the same sentence, but... When people when Duggan came out, no one gave a shit. When Hogan came out, everyone draws. You know, they they come rushing to the TV and they want to see it. Uh, to this day, if Hogan's music comes out on TV right now, I'm gonna go watch it. Um, you know, so it's just like I it just draws me to it. Um, the politics and the and the personal business that he would do and look out for himself. You know, yeah. When you learn more about that as you get older, you know, you don't really care for it too much. But um, I, I 100% agree with you and how you wanted to put him on there. Uh, I saw it. I thought about it for a very long time, but I, I had to hold off on it because of that. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm not going to give you flack about it because, you know, a lot of it is I agree with you. Well, that's fair. That's fair. 
How about you, Adam? Do you have anything to add when it comes to Hogan? It doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, realistically, um, I could see I could see your thinking. Um, for a fleeting moment, I also said, yeah, just based on the move set alone, um, and the way he kind of poli- uh, kind of excuse me, the way he he did politic to you know to get his way. Um, you know, the older he got, and when he had that creative control uh, business. Um, you know, in WCW and all that, uh, I, I can see where you're headed with that. But, but, uh, again, the guy, you know, Babe Ruth is still one of the biggest names. You know, a lot of people on the Babe Ruth of wrestling, Babe Ruth is still one of the biggest names in baseball. And he hasn't played in, you know, you know, he stopped playing in the fifties or the forties or whatever, but he's still, he's still remembered as a legend. The guy wasn't a great athlete though i mean he could hit the ball out of the ballpark but you know he got bigger over the years and that's about all he could do um so but people still remember him and um you know what he did for the game of baseball and and how he helped popularize it and hogan's just the same in my book and no matter how limited his move set is uh just the crowds he drew the excitement he drew like bob mentioned when when he came out um you know, you just think of some of the matches. If he, if he was with the right guy, um, you know, another guy that I had that I considered for my list, I don't know if we'll get to him, um, kind of had this same uh, same kind of deal going where he was very limited in the ring and he didn't take instruction well either. Hogan at least knew the business side of it more and he could, he could do a good match with somebody if he had the right opponent, uh, you know, like his match with Andre or his match with The Rock at WrestleMania 18, we've talked about several times, even the match with Ultimate Warrior. Uh, he has had some good, exciting matches. Um, and again, uh, yes, people got tired of him, but he, he had a long run at the top. And so just based on that, I, I couldn't put him on the list. But again, uh, I'm not going to give you a, a ton of flack because obviously, yeah, um, uh, my brother actually texted me the other day and said he just watched uh, Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels from SummerSlam 2005. And the text read, the first sentence was, watched Hogan and Michaels from SummerSlam 2005. Next message said, Hogan is really crappy in the ring. <laughs> so yep. so I could I could see where you're headed. I just, uh, I just have to agree to disagree on, on him being on the list. No? That's fine. Well, he doesn't make it into the top five, but he is at number seven with 10 points. Hulk Hogan. All right. Let's get to number six on our list. Number six also comes in with 10 points, but he gets a tiebreaker because he was on two of our lists as opposed to just mine. Um, And he gets on our list because he's twice the man that we are, but he has half the brain that we do. We're talking about Sid. Sid coming in at number six with 10 points. Uh, And he got the 10 points for being number five on my list and number seven on Bob's list. Bob, we'll start with you. What do you have to say about Sid? Sid Vicious, Sid Justice, Sid Udy, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Um... He was WCW US champ. Um, he was two-time WCW heavyweight champ, and he was also two-time WWF heavyweight champ. 
when you look at Sid Vicious as just a fan and you that's that's your first time laying your eyes on him, you see this monster of a man, you know, at that time. You know, he had the look. He had that it factor to it. Just like he, he you would you were drawn to him. He had a menacing look as a heel. He was tall. He was built. Um the music that they had for him was just perfect. And then you just mentioned it right now. His when he was on the mic. It was just atrocious, man. Um, I always remember. Uh, uh, I'll always remember me and Gene Okerlund. We're live, pal. We're live. Um, you know, and, and and again, he he was a terrible wrestler. Um, you know, he was just he was just not bad. He was just bad, and it's just like if if he would have put the emphasis into being a wrestler and the passion into being a wrestler that we have, we've always heard stories about how he would fake injuries to go participate in, in, in softball tournaments. Cause he loves softball. If he would have put that passion into learning the craft of being a wrestler. I mean, we could be talking about Sid Vicious being one of the best monster heel big men in the business. I mean, you could, cause he had look then. And, and this is what I mentioned at the very beginning. They, they kept putting the, the, the ball on him and say, okay, run with it. And it'd be like if he'd take two steps and be like, okay, what do you want me to do now? Um, you know, six foot seven, 300 pounds, pure muscle, intimidating look. And then once he just opened his mouth, you were like, nope, game over. Um, just, and he, again, like the rule for the WWF, if you got someone who can't talk for shit, you give him a mouthpiece. I think he had Harvey Whippleman with them for a little bit of time. And, and again, he was just, he was just still bad. Um, so I had to put Sid on the list just because they they kept pushing him as champion and, and it's just like why I'll always remember you know Devon you you talked about uh you know getting destroyed on the mic with with Billy Gunn when The Rock did I'll always remember him coming out in ECW and Bubba Ray Dudley just you know tearing him apart within ten seconds and, <laughs> and he just looked like he looked at Bubba Ray and be like. I can't say what he said, obviously, because it's a Dudley promo. But uh, yeah. he just tore him a new one in ten seconds, and just the look he had on his face, like, "Wow," <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, to me, Sid Vicious could have been so much, so much, so much more. But um, I had to put him on the list just because I, I thought he was atrocious. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I had Sid at number five on my list. He's like you said, he he had the look, the look. He could have been such an intimidating heel, but his, and you could tell just how he worked in the ring. His heart was just not in it. You know, he he was there for the money. He did not give a shit about the business and it proved, it proved in his work, you know, but even still when it was apparent that he didn't give a shit, you know, they kept throwing belts at the guy mm-hmm. and it, it just, it didn't make any sense. And Sid, uh, I don't know, you know, bless him, but for whatever reason, WCW just didn't give him a mouthpiece when he desperately needed one. And it just, aside from creating comedy gold, it did not help his career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just, I, I don't know, man. He, I just, yeah. He's just one of those guys where it's like, okay, you're the champ, but I have no fucking idea why. That's that's it in a nutshell. So yeah, that's why I had him on my list too. Um, Adam, you have anything to add when it comes to Sid? Well, when we're done recording this, um, I'm gonna watch that clip on YouTube of him 
um, the we're live pal. That's one of my favorite moments in the history of wrestling. It's yeah. so goddamn funny. If I need a laugh, I, I will look that up every time. Um, he didn't make my list uh, only because, uh, but I absolutely agree that he, he should be on here. I, I just, I, I'm a sucker for so bad it's good sometimes, and uh, th- that's the case w- with Sid. He just, you know, just some of the things he did and do- did would just crack me up, and, you know, so he, he gave me my share of entertainment over the years, so I guess that's why he didn't make my list, but uh, but I can totally see why you guys have him. Um uh, To answer your question, I think the reason he kept getting belts, well, the WWF wise and later on in WCW, the, the talent pool was thin. You know, um, you had Michaels, you had Bret Hart. Uh, Bret Hart, you know, took some time off after WrestleMania 12, so you didn't even have him for a while. Um, I know when the Warrior made his return in in the mid 90s, uh, and, and he he got fired uh, for no showing events. That's when they called Sit Up because they needed a body. So uh, I think it was just out of desperation more than anything else. Um, but I totally, I totally agree with uh, the putting forth the effort and just not being a dependable worker. Although uh, I, I've watched a shoot interview with him and to hear him talk, he's Ric Flair, or Ricky Steamboat uh, in terms of ability and what he's done for the business. He's, he's very high on himself. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, could, I I agree. He uh, he he deserves his place, but yeah, it's it's uh it's a shame because yeah, he did have the look and he could he could have been something. It's just it, it it never clicked. Yeah, well, there you go. At number six with ten points, we have Sid. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. All right, well, we're in the top ten now, and at or in the top five. My fault. We are in the top five now, and well, at number five, what, what was that? I said, we're live, pal. We're yeah. Live, pal. <laughs> Sorry. Um, awesome. And Ted DiBiase, uh, I remember during that, just as a sidebar, Ted DiBiase was shaking his head in the background because I think he was in the corporation at the time he did that, and you just see Ted DiBiase rolling his eyes and shaking his head in the background when he did yeah. that. But, yeah, top five. At number five, also comes in with 10 points, which is the same as Hogan and Sid had, but they get a tiebreaker because this particular person was on all three of our lists and got 10 points. Um, They got their 10 points by being an honorable mention on my list and on Adam's list. And Bob, you had this guy all the way at number two on your list. We're talking about the total package. Lex Luger coming in at number five with 10 points. Bob, we'll start with you. Tell us about the overratedness of Lex Luger. I, I never saw it with Lex Luger. He um, WCW did. WCW had him tag champ three times. Uh, he was your ultimate favorite TV champ. He did that twice. Um, heavyweight champ twice. 94 Royal Rumble winner. And, and again, Lex Luger had everything dude he had the look the physique um but you know for someone to be called the total package i felt like it wasn't there he was another one that i felt like especially later on in his career when he was in the ring he was just there for the paycheck uh he just you know coasted um his i felt like his 
wrestling ability wasn't the greatest. I felt like he was severely limited on the mic. Um, you know, uh, Adam mentioned it earlier, vanilla as fuck is when I thought about him later on in his career. And I felt like the WWF, you know, kind of felt the same way about him. I mean, I know for a long time that people would say he was held back from winning titles, but you had the, uh, the Lex express where he was again, the patriotic gimmick. Um, you know, it'll get over, um, he, the, the narcissist program that he had where, where he was just this bodybuilder, um, his early WCW career, you know, when he was big with a young Lex Luger with Sting and, and, and battling the four horsemen and stuff. Yeah. I, I felt like he was over then and he was great, but as, as he progressed throughout his career, I just really didn't see much from it. You know, like he, I can't really go out and say, Hey, remember that barn burner must watch match that Lex Luger had? Like I, it, it doesn't really stand out to me much. And, and it's just like, I felt like he was just constantly pushed to the moon, you know, um, due to his look and due to the fact that like they thought he would be this amazing wrestler, but in my opinion, he wasn't, you know? So, uh, he just kept getting rewarded for it. And that's why I felt like I had to put him high up on the list because he had all the world championship brains and, and, uh, you know, he was pushed up there with the stings and the flares, but I, I just felt like he wasn't in that same kind of caliber as them. So, uh, I put Lex Luger high up on my list because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Lex Luger, like we've said about him before, he, he was the guy who, after Magnum TA got in his car accident, he was like the heir apparent, you know, he was the guy to take over that position of, okay, you're going to be the chosen one now. And it just didn't really, it didn't really take because while he, yeah, he had the look, it just wasn't there in the ring. It just never connected in the ring when it came with, when it came with Luger. You know, and as much as they tried, you know, just putting all those belts on them, it just, it never, it just never really caught on and it never caught on in WWF, you know, when he, when he went over there and Vince tried to make him the new Hogan and that crashed and burned, you know, it's, yeah, like you said, Bob, it it was just, you know, they, the packaging was there. It just, the contents were, were nothing Mm -hmm. you know that's that's exactly what what lex luger was it was pretty packaging with nothing inside and that's yeah that's why i had him on my list that that's why i had him as an honorable mention um adam you had him as an honorable mention too what do you have to say about luger i agree 100 percent with both of you um the most promise he showed was early in his career in uh in wcw uh but it just it, it just never happened um you know, he had that long U.S. title run, and as Tony mentioned, uh, he was the heir apparent to Magnum, but um, that was pretty much the height of him. Um, for me, I, I was pretty much done with Lex Luger when he was w- he finally got the run with the belt uh, and um, in the early 90s, and the fans chanted, we want flair. Uh, that about said it all. Um you know, then shortly after that, I guess he got pissy about that and went to WWF. And we talked about the Lex Express thing. Um, I, I have I heard on Bruce Pritchard's show uh, a while back that uh, he was a big pain in the ass during that whole thing. wasn't into it. Didn't want to do anything. Uh, it was kind of a pain in the ass to work with. He said if Undertaker had gotten something like that or Randy Savage at the time, they would have. They would have uh, worked it to the hilt, and and they would have they would have it would have been gangbusters. But uh, yeah, 
just like with Sid, he just he just didn't seem to have the full heart for the business. Um, he, you know, kind of just was there to collect the paycheck and and flex pretty much. And you know, I've read plenty of wrestlers, other wrestlers' books where they pretty much say confirmed that that he was just there for the money and to to pose in front of a mirror and didn't really care one way or the other. And and I agree with Bob a hundred percent that. The, the longer he went in WWF then going back to WCW he he just flat out he didn't give a shit you could you could see it in, in the way he conducted himself in the ring yeah well there you have it at number 5 with 10 points the total package or maybe not total Lex Luger alright package yeah there you go all right, let's get to number four on our list. Number four comes in with 12 points, and they get the 12 points from being number nine on my list. And Adam, this is your A number one. We're talking about John Bradshaw Layfield, JBL, coming in at number four with 12 points. Adam, you had him at number one, so let's start with you. What do you have to say about JBL? I'm going to just defer to the words of the great Paul Heyman. Um, the only reason you're champion is because Triple H doesn't want to work Tuesdays. Yep. That, uh, that sums up JBL as a wrestler uh, in a nutshell. Um, talking about Billy Gunn earlier on, about how um, he started in a tag and, and was suited as a tag wrestler and really did do much of anything for me um, as a single uh, Bradshaw is another example of that. Uh, the, the most enjoyment I ever got out of him was teaming up with uh, Rad Simmons, a.k.a. Farouk, and in the uh, the APA. That was great fun. Um, they were ass-kicking guys, and, uh, you know, I always remember that match with Public Enemy. That was some awesome shit, um, and they fucked up Public Enemy pretty good. Um, but, I mean, past that, you want to talk about a guy who had a 1,000 chances in the WWF. You know, he was Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Uh, then they put him in the new Blackjacks. Uh, you know, two things nobody gave two craps about. Um, they broke up the, the APA, tried to make him a single. You know, that didn't catch on. Um, then, he, then he became, uh, he went to SmackDown and kind of changed it up and had this JR from Dallas thing going and and uh, I, I just it never hit it with me. Just never. It's just the, 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 one of my favorite examples of a guy that Vince liked because he was big and he just had to get him over because he was a big guy. Um, and again, he couldn't work very well. He was boring. Um, I think a watershed moment for me and my, in my wrestling fandom was when uh, my friend, was talking to me on the phone and he said, Hey, did you see that great match between uh, JBL and Bob Holly for the title? And I said, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> JBL and Bob Holly, they, they had a match on SmackDown. It was pretty damn good. I'm like, no, I missed it. And if that's who's fighting for the championship, WWE, uh, he must be in real trouble here. Uh, again, just yeah, bigger doesn't, you know, Big doesn't mean that, you know, I don't think Vince is ever going to learn that lesson. Just because you're a big guy doesn't mean you're going to be a great champion. You know, again, uh, we talked about Hogan being limited in the ring, but he had all the charisma and, and the ability to draw. Uh, Bradshaw had none of that. Um, you know, again, um, can anyone name 
very memorable uh, Bradshaw matches while he was champion. I just I, I was flabbergasted that he was champ and that he got to wear the belt as long. I th- he wore he had it for over a year, didn't he? A long yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, let that sink in for a minute. I mean, not a lot of guys, especially in the era that he wrestled in as a single, uh, get to wear the belt that long. Um, so I, I I just again just never did anything for me as as a single. He just he was a big guy and uh, he looked like he could kick some ass, but that was about it. So. Um, just for having a year title reign, I had to put him at number one. Like, just, uh, you know, probably one of the most undeserving title reigns, uh, this side of Rugged and Ronnie Garvin. Yeah. I mean, JBL, he was, he was a good heel. You know, he could, he could talk. He can make you boo him. He can make you, you can make you, he can make you hate him. But yeah, when it came to ring work, like you said, he was just another guy. He was boring in there. You know, his matches just weren't, they just weren't quality matches. It was just him being just a big bruiser kind of guy. And that was basically his style. And that he didn't, like Jim Duggan, he didn't really deviate his, his in-ring work. And it just made his matches boring on the whole. I mean, when you said, you know, can you name me any, uh, you know, any memorable matches in JBL's career, the first thing I thought of wasn't even a match. The only thing I really remember JBL was, was when he beat the shit out of the blue meanie at the one night stand. (laughs) That's the most memorable thing I could think of when it, when it comes to JBL. And that, that wasn't a match. It was like a shoot moment in a, in a pay-per-view. So yeah, I mean, JBL, like you said, he had that belt for such a long time and he just didn't really warrant anything to keep it. Yeah. Uh, he, he just milk toast, just like just nothing exciting about it. And it just, that belt just kind of languished on him for as long as it did until he lost it to Cena, you know, and then that started off the whole Cena nation thing for so long. So yeah, that's, you know, I guess that's another thing you could say. It was the gateway to Cena, but that was that was basically it. And JBL, after he dropped that belt, that was, you know, kind of all she wrote for him. You know, he, he maybe wrestled for another year or two, but for the most part after that, he was done. And to be honest with you, I didn't really notice that he quit. <laughs> you know, he was done. And I was like, okay, well, where's JBL? Oh, he's not wrestling anymore? Oh, okay, too bad. That's that's the epitome of a guy who's overrated. If you don't even realize that he's gone, yeah. then yeah, he deserves to be on this list. So, yeah. How about you, Bob? Do you have anything to add when it comes to JBL? I mean, I agree, I agree with both of you guys. And when you're talking about him, like especially when you called him like, uh, you know, modern day Duggan, where he was a, he was a brawler, and that's what he was known for. But he never really switched it up. And, and I do remember a time when he started having a feud with Eddie Guerrero. Um, within minutes of their matches when they would go, Eddie could outwork anybody. You know, Eddie was a legend in the ring. And here you see Bradshaw on the ring with him, just obviously not deserving to be in there because he was huffing and puffing and winded within minutes. And it's just like, well, someone who deserves to be in the ring with, you know, 
that, that we're talking about here is you make your opponents look great. You know, that's what we talked about the underrated last week, where it's like these people would make their opponents look great no matter what. Bradshaw was winded within sec- like minutes of being in the ring with Eddie Guerrero, and it's just like, well, but they constantly kept feeding him. Like you said to us, uh, he was champ for over a year when he shouldn't have been. And I, uh, I'll i give you the, the, the agreement in that he was a fantastic heel at that time. He was one of the better ones that they had, but all that time as a champ and, and I don't, I don't really think he deserved it. So I agree with you guys. Yeah. So there you go. At number four with 12 points, we have JBL. All right. We're in the top three now. And at number three comes in with 12 and a half points. And he got the 12 and a half points from being an honorable mention on my list was number seven on Adam's list, and they were number three on Bob's list. Ain't he great? No, not really. We're talking about Jeff Jarrett. Watch it slap out. At number three with 12 and a half points. All right, Bob, you had Jeff Jarrett at number three on your list, so let's start with you. Tell tell us how he is overrated. Earlier you talked about Jerry Lawler, and, and I mentioned I had someone on the list that was very Jerry Lawler-esque, and this is my Jerry Lawler-esque. Um, Jeff Jarrett yeah. was NWA heavyweight champ six times. He was USWA champ. Uh, he was USWA Southern heavyweight champ nine times. WCW world champ multiple times. Uh, US heavyweight champ three times. IC champ six times in the WWF. He was a European champion. He was tag team champion. Um he is the perfect example of, you know, um, nepotism. Pretty much, your 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 daddy's big in the business, and I'm gonna look out for my son. And I feel like had Jerry Jarrett, who was Jeff Jarrett's dad, never made it big in the business, I don't think Jeff Jarrett would have ever made it either. Um, you know, he uh, he was a good worker. Jeff Jarrett could wrestle. Um, but other than that, I felt like the only reason he made it big was because of his dad. Uh, I think he was a really, really solid mid card wrestler, Jeff Jarrett. Um, but other, I don't think he should have ever been main eventing. And then when you look into it and you find out more and more, he was best friends with Vince Russo, uh, who was the head writer at WWF and WCW. So he would get his pushes because he's best friends with the guy in charge of pushing the characters. Uh, when that started going stale for him, what does his dad do? His dad goes out and, you know, creates TNA Impact Wrestling. So what does he do? He goes and wrestles for his dad, and he's the main face of TNA Impact Wrestling for the next four years. Um, I, I, I really feel it was because of that that Jeff Jarrett would constantly be in the limelight, in the spotlight, but I don't think he ever deserved it. Um you know, like I said, the other thing, too, is we've talked about in the past where he held the WWF up. You know, he was the Intercontinental Champion. He uh, His contract was up. He held them up for a large amount of money just to lose the belt to China. But it, it's shit like that that, you know, you you try and go out and, and, and do what's best for business. But at the same time, you're holding up the company ransom. And it's just like, well, I'm not a big fan of Jeff Jarrett. He taught me how to spell his name. And to this day, I'll still do it. But. Other than that, I don't feel like that. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. He was a big uh, progression to wrestling, like a big part of wrestling that I'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, Jeff Jarrett had amazing matches and he was fantastic in the ring and all this other stuff because I, I really don't feel like he was. Yeah, it's, it's cool that you mentioned him 
spelling his name. It's like, I don't think any of us will ever spell Jared incorrectly. You know, mm-hmm. it's just. <laughs> uh, all right, Adam, how about you? You had Jeff Jared at number seven on your list. What do you have to say about him? It, it, it pained me a little bit to put him on the list only because when I was a teenager and he was first coming up uh, in the WWF with that country gimmick, uh, I was a sucker for it. I thought it was funny. I thought his vignettes were funny, making fun of Conway Twitty's death and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in the cartoonish uh, WWF, I, I thought he kind of was fun to watch, but that's kind of where it stopped. Um, as the business changed, time completely passed him by or uh, the business passed him by. Um, and, you know, as Bob mentioned, you know, his last name was Jarrett. Um, you know, he had that relationship too with Jerry Lawler going back to USWA. So he, you know, I'm sure that helped him get a job with the WWF. But once they got more, uh, when they were, you know, headed towards the attitude era and that kind of, you know, he was completely out of place, uh, on the card, um, you know, because he just, uh, as mentioned, you know, he, he, he could go in the ring. He was a decent wrestler, but, but there was nothing, uh, on the mic that was really there. Um, nothing to hold anybody's interest. Um, and, uh, Bob mentioned Vince Russo. So, you know, shortly before Russo took off for WCW, uh, they gave him some gimmick where they had him cut his hair and, and he's talking about things that piss him off and, you know, trying to make him more edgy and attitude-esque, and it was, a, it was funny to laugh at, but that that was all there was to it. It, it. You know, there was nothing attitude about him. Uh, he just again was out of place. Um, then he went to WCW with Russo, tried to do the same thing again. Nobody cared. Um, and then yeah, as mentioned, he went over to TNA and because uh, his dad owned the company he got the and Russo was writing the TV for a while he got the main event longer than he should have and again other guys got held back as a result uh other guys younger hungrier guys who you know could have gotten that main event spot and uh taken TNA somewhere uh and they kind of held it back so you want to talk about po- playing politics uh, Jeff Jarrett's uh one of those uh politickers and you know vince always forgives people but he had a 20-year vendetta against that guy pretty much before he finally put him in the hall of fame i think but uh, you know that's a long freaking time to be pissed off at somebody so he really had to rub people the wrong way um bob bob put it perfectly uh mid-card rest the quote jr mid-card wrestler at best and just due to his connections he undeservedly got way too many main events so yeah definitely deserves to be on the list where he's at yeah yeah like bob said and how you reiterated man he's he's nepotism in wrestling form man he's he's eric watts but maybe just a little bit more talented than mm-hmm. that you know that's basically all he is you know and yeah just for who his father was and who he made friends with that's what he has to hang his hat on you know it's there's nothing there's nothing about Jeff Jarrett that just screams, yeah, champion. That's a champion. There's what about him screams that? Nothing. You know, he's he's a small not that we're, you know, against smaller guys. Of course, a lot of my favorite wrestlers are smaller guys, but Jeff Jarrett, he's small to the point of being like in nondescript. You know, it's like he's just he's just another dude. That but he made so many 
headways as far as like personal um, connections and guys in power that he was able to just wring as much out of that as he could to be a multi-time champion just makes you scratch your head because he didn't really deserve any of it. You know, is I'm sure he's a nice guy. He seems like he's likable on his podcast, whatever, but he, yeah, he just didn't deserve nearly even, you know, a third of the success that he had, you know, and yeah, that's exactly why he's on this list in the top three at number three. With 12 and a half points, we have Jeff Jarrett. All right, let's get to our number two pick, the penultimate pick. This pick comes in at 15 points, and they got the 15 points from being number five on Bob's list. And I had this pick all the way at number two. We're talking about Jim Helwig himself, the ultimate warrior. Coming in at number f- number two with 15 points. Uh, I'll start with the Warrior. Um, you know, we talked about just having the look with guys like Luger. You know, the Warrior ha- had the look. You know, he was looked like he was chiseled out of marble. You know, he was he had the makeup, he had the tassels on his arms, the crazy entrance, the high energy. Everybody loved him. You know, but when you really look at it, what the hell did he really bring to the table? Nothing. He that's all he had was his entrance and his look. He he was god awful in the ring, nonsensical on the mic. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you go back and look and try and you know, you look at his promos now, it's like this guy was on fucking trucker speed his entire career, it seemed like. He just he could not he was just incapable of delivering a, a coherent promo. A lot of people say that that was part of his charm, part of his character. No, he just didn't, you know, he just couldn't do it. But the energy he brought to it, you know, was just so much that it endeared himself to the crowd, I guess, you know, uh, uh, me personally, when I see a dude who's just hopped up on coke, babbling incoherently for like five minutes, I don't find that endearing. But it got it got the warrior over, so you know. And and like I said, it, it's just got awful in the ring. He's just they he caught lightning in a bottle. Him and Hogan both caught lightning in a bottle with their match at WrestleMania for for whatever reason that match did not deserve to be as good as it came off. I think, you know, the real match that they were capable of ended up happening in WCW at that Halloween Havoc match, which is pretty much derided as one of, if not the worst match ever, ever televised. Um, Yeah. The warrior is just, ugh, God, I, he did not deserve any really any of the accolades he had you know he was he was intercontinental champ famously beat the honky tonk man beat hogan for the championship you know was on top for a few years there he was the top guy uh and you know he, he was able to parlay that into a big return payday with wcw even though like i said it resulted in a horrible horrible match um it's just you know 
the ultimate warrior to this day is one of the most recognizable wrestlers of all time. But, you know, just the in-ring work and everything surrounding it really just does not justify it. And that's why I had him all the way at number two on my list. Uh, Bob, you had the warrior at number five. What do you have to say about the warrior as far as his overratedness? You, um, you mentioned a few things and we talked about Hogan earlier. And, and I mean, when, when you actually sit and think about it, I mean, again, one of the reasons I didn't put Hogan on the list, but I put warrior on my list. Um, you the the wrestling business is cutthroat business you know like you always have to look out for yourself and look out for your spot and uh especially you know the the, the 60s the 70s the 80s and, and that's what hogan was doing you know he, like I, t- I told you earlier when hogan did the rocket wrestling he was the face they gave him the ball he ran with it and um he always looked out for himself and it's you you know you hear the stories and, and you understand that and like i said once he got to wcw i felt like that's where he became super overrated Warrior, I felt like you 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 mentioned it perfectly. But when they had the WrestleMania match, it was a lot better than it deserved to be. And I feel like the reason it was was because of Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson choreographed that match, told him, "This is you know your strong points. This is your strong points. Go out there and just dance together." And that's exactly what they did. So I think the reason that that happened was because of Pat Patterson. And then you mentioned later on they have their WCW match, and that's what we all expected it to be. And, it, and you hit it right on the ball. The Ultimate Warrior, like you mentioned, was all gimmick, all all entrance, all running to the ring, loud music, the appearance. He looked amazing. But like you said, when, when he was like Sid Vicious, when he opened up his mouth, you're like, what the fuck did that man just say? Um, it was like a bull in a china shop with him. All of his matches were pretty much short matches because it, it let him look dominating and, and he would just destroy everybody. Um but because he had no wrestling ability, he he you know like once he got running down to the ring, was shaking the ropes and everything. Once he actually got inside the ring, it was just like all right, everything's done now. You know there there was nothing to me that appealed when it came to the Ultimate Warrior and his in ring ability. There was nothing special for me when when I would see him. You know, I'm thinking of the quick matches. Like I mentioned, Triple H, he destroyed Triple H in, in minutes. He destroyed the Honky Tonk Man in minutes. Uh, just other people just hated working with him just because he looked out for himself. And when he didn't get what he wanted, he would no-show. You know, um, he would just not show up to the matches like Adam mentioned earlier. And, and that's when he eventually gets replaced by Sid Vicious, like he mentioned earlier. But, um, yeah, he, he just went into business for himself. And you, it just prove that he was just a, a crappy person and a crappy just wrestler altogether. But uh, again, once you get past his entrance and his music, I can't say much about his matches beside the WrestleMania one, the Rick Rude one that he had. And, and that says a lot, you know, so especially the way he was pushed to the moon. So I had to put the warrior high up on my list. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Do you have anything to add when it comes to the warrior? Uh, I ping-ponged, and he just missed my list. Um, I just felt there were guys that were even more overrated. Um, yes, uh, I mean, I have nothing to argue about. Um, I can't defend his work in the ring. I can't defend his promos. Um, you know, um, that's one of the best WWE-produced um, DVDs I've ever I've ever watched is the uh, self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. It's it's sad in a way because, again, everybody just pretty much dumps on him for 
an hour and a half, but it is pretty revealing of, you know, how he treated the business. Of course, there was the biography on him, um, which was a lot more um, uh, complimentary and, uh, you know, because obviously his, his family had input on that one and the Dark Side of the Ring episode on him didn't do much to, to make him look great either. Um, he's an interesting footnote in wrestling history. It was kind of the first guy they tried to move on from, from Hogan. Um, and he did, he did have charisma and he did create some excitement. Um, most of the guys on my list created zero or no excitement. So that's the only reason he missed the list, but I absolutely understand, uh, why he's at number two. Cause yeah, he, he could do shit in the ring and his attitude was lousy and yeah, um, you know, that's, you know, I don't see eye to eye with the way uh, Vince McMahon runs things a lot of the time, but but his attitude about, you know, um, no showing is the worst thing you could possibly do, um, you know, to your audience. And it's his responsibility to take care of the audience um, and all that. And uh, there's a reason the guy got fired three times, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, he definitely belongs on the list. I just had other guys ahead of him. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, self-destruction of Ultimate Warrior uh, DVD that they had. It's not in print anymore because now, you know, ever since he died, Vince has uh, made Warrior a saint for some reason. Well, I have uh, it. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, but uh, I just love how Heenan would just went off on him in the entire DVD. Heenan did not have a lot of uh, very complimentary things to say about the Ultimate Warrior. Wow. So yeah, that was that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, Ric Flair and Ted DiBiase also had nothing nice to say about him either. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. At number two on our list with fifteen points, the Ultimate Warrior. All right, well that brings us to our top pick. But before we get there, like we do every week. Let's go to our honorable mentions. These picks, our honorable mentions, like I said at the top of the show, were picks that didn't have enough points to get in our top 10, but they still had enough points to at least garner a mention. All right. Let's get to our first honorable mention here. At number 11 on our list, our first honorable mention comes in with seven points, and they got the seven points from being number four on Bob's list. We're talking about the Great Kali. The Great Kali coming in at number 11, our first honorable mention. Bob, tell us about Kali. The problem I had with the Great Kali is, um, you know, the WWF went ahead and made him champ, and recently he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, problem I had with him is just how they, again, they just stuck a rocket on him and they just shot him out at us. Uh, you know, 2006, he's debuts on SmackDown. And he just comes out and he destroys The Undertaker. And then soon after that, you know, he's doing the same thing to Rey Mysterio. And he actually defeats The Undertaker at Judgment Day. Um, so now he's feuding with John Cena. He's feuding with Kane. He he beats Shawn Michaels. Um, you know, the uh, Batista... Uh, Rick Flair. So he's beating all these top name talents that, that he's going up against. And, and when you actually see him in the ring, he's just so severely limited. I, I, I think giant Gonzalez 2.0 um, just, he, he, he's just hard to watch in the ring just because 
Um, I mean, just seeing him just move around and like give you chops and clotheslines, it was just painful. Um, I, I think of his his repertoire of chops. I think of clotheslines. I think of choke slams and like the vice grip head squeeze that he would do, and that was it. And I, I really felt like he did not deserve to go over so many big named wrestlers. I didn't deserve, feel like he deserved to be the champion. Uh, I don't. I felt like he didn't deserve to be even inducted into the Hall of Fame. But you know, that's another conversation. Just because that uh, sometimes I feel like the Hall of Fame is a joke. But he is another one that I just felt like the WWF wanted to market to the Indian demographic and they chose him and they pushed it and they just kept forcing him and forcing him and forcing him down our throats that I just felt like he was just super highly overrated because of his skills or lack thereof. And there we go. He comes in as our first honorable mention with seven points, the great Kali. All right, let's move to number 12 on our list, our second honorable mention. Number 12 comes in with six points, and he got the six points from being number five on Adam's list. We're talking about John Cena coming in at number 12, our second honorable mention. Adam, tell us about John Cena. (laughs) You knew he'd be on my list, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, again, this will probably be the one I catch shit for, um, but uh, I'm just going to condense things and say he has as many world title uh, wins as Ric Flair. That, that to me, as a fan, is insulting. Um, Did he never deserve to have the title? No. I know he's, he's over with a lot of fans. I know he's company guy. He... You know, he's he's not a jerk. You know, he, I don't think he played the same politics that some other main event guys did that we've been talking about. I just, again, uh, the number of reigns bothers me. And, uh, again, he just he just never did it for me. Nothing really excited me about him um, to warrant as many title reigns as he had. Um, again, you know, the, you guys were mentioning uh, when we were talking about JBL, how how him beating JBL ushered in the, uh, you know, a different era. And it was an era I wasn't interested in. I just, again, I just felt, uh, you know, we talked about Luger, you know, Vince wanting his next Hogan, you know, Vince just has his guy he wants to run with. And, and, you know, that's how he's always done business, but it's just a guy that I could never get into. I just, I didn't think he was that exciting to me anyway. Um, I remember going to Raw, I think, uh, I forgot which WrestleMania was in Chicago. Uh, I was 22, maybe, and uh, he was fighting Triple H that night, and Triple H, of course, is supposed to be the heel, and everyone's rooting for Triple H, including myself, and he just didn't, he he didn't have that, he had the thing where not all the fans cared for him either, so he didn't have that every man where everybody liked him thing going like Hogan did. Um... So, again, I know there's much worse wrestlers on the list, uh, but, again, I had to put him on the list. I did, the number of reigns he's had is is ludicrous, in my opinion. Uh, so, so uh, there you go. All right. Yeah. At number 12, our second honorable mention with six points, John Cena. All right. Let's get to our third honorable mention. Number 13 on our list comes in with five and a half points. And he got the five and a half points from being 
an honorable mention on Adam's list, and he was number six on Bob's list. We're talking about Buff Bagwell coming in at number 13. Bob, tell us about Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Man, uh, good old Buff Bagwell. Five-time WCW Tag Team Champion. Uh, he's another one. He he had the look. He had everything he needed to be a star in the wrestling. Uh, Buff Bagwell had charisma. He had mic skills. He was amazingly built, athletic, um, but he just had one of the shittiest attitudes when it came to actually being a wrestler. Uh, you know, always went into business for himself uh, to the point where we've heard stories in the past where um, he's faked injuries because he didn't want to be involved in matches with, uh, at his time in the WWF, he didn't want to be involved in matches with uh, the APA, Bradshaw, that we talked earlier. He had his mom call um, the WWF to, to, to say that, you know, her son was injured and he could not wrestle. And also she would call and complain about his uh, his travel arrangements that he had. Um, again, it just... He he was just. I feel like the right place at the right time in WCW, and they just kept trying to push him, thinking they had a star in the making because he had a great look to him. But he was just that annoying, um, you know, pretty boy that that everyone hated. That you know, he you you always wanted to beat his ass, but he had those the the the, the big buddies with him that would always back him up. That's how he was in the NWO. They put him in there. He was an un, to me, he was an unnecessary member of the NWO. I don't feel, I feel like he needed to be in there, uh, but he was there. And like I said, he just would annoy the shit out of you. You wanted him to get his ass kicked, but he never would because Scott Norton would interfere, or, or someone else would interfere on his behalf. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't do it with Buff Bagwell. I felt like WCW just tried to push him to the moon, especially when he was a solo wrestler. And again, I, I not a fan. Yeah. How about you, Adam? You also had him as an honorable mention. What do you have to say about Buff? Yeah, Bob uh, said it all pretty much. Um, he, to me, he was a big fish in a small pond when he was the most over. Um, you know, a lot of guys weren't in WC, you know, were not appearing anymore. And you know, he got a lot of TV time. Um, yeah. You know, his, his shitty backstage stuff is legendary. Um, which McCall, uh, that, that first match he had with Booker T um, for the WCW title when uh, WWF had bought the WCW, one, one of the, one of the, biggest stink fests I, I, uh, I ever saw on a, on a raw match and, uh, poor Arn Anderson trying to sell it. Uh, he oversold it, um, <laughs> fortunately for him, but, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, I wasn't a fan either. Just, uh, again, uh, where his fans were victims of just too much exposure to him. And, uh, you know, again, I think he just got attention because of his look and, and again, there were a lot of guys, uh, you know, who were, they weren't paying anymore or they weren't using. And so they went ahead and, uh, didn't you have a team with Luger for a short time? Mm-hmm. Totally buffed. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. The, well, uh, yeah. See Lex Luger. <laughs> Perfect tag team. Yeah. Well, there you go. Our third honorable mention, number 13 on our list with five and a half points. Buff. Bagwell. All right, let's move to number 14. Hey, Bob, guess what? Another tie, yes. Yes, number 
number 14, our fourth honorable mention is a tie. Each pick coming in with five points. Our first one is coming in with five points because it was number six on Adam's list. We're talking about Mabel coming in at number 14, our fourth honorable mention. Tie with five points. Adam, why is Mabel overrated? Um. I'd like you guys to ask me, hey, Adam, what's your the worst main event in wrestling history? Adam, what's the worst main event in wrestling history? Diesel versus Mabel at SummerSlam. Uh, I think it was 95. I don't remember the year. Um, just imagine it, folks. <laughs> Kevin Nash against a 500-pound man who doesn't move very well. And that was your SummerSlam main event. That was... Um, that was rock bottom for the WWF. Pardon the pun for any rock fans. Again, another one who started out as a tag team, men on a mission. Uh, he was the Shawn Michaels. Um, of course, again, he's big, so he's got to be great, right? Um, and I'm, I, you know, he had the King of the Ring. He had the crappy match with with Diesel, and uh, that that was it for him until they brought him back to be in the Ministry of Darkness um, and be a jobber there and wear contacts, bad contacts. Um, then he was brought back as the world's largest love machine in 2004. Uh, Big Daddy V in 2007. Um, how many chances does one guy get? Uh, and again, big guy. Um, yeah, he could do a big splash. So could every big guy. And uh, again, uh Something about him, I, you know, I just felt like he kept being, you know, crammed down our throats just because he was a big dude, um, and I never understood it uh, again. So uh, that that's why he's there for me. Just again, uh, I understand you're big, and and people are gonna go ooh ah when you come out, but that's that's where it stops. I, I, I don't know. Vince will never get it. I guess that no one wants to see someone who. But a lot of people don't want to see people who can't move around in the ring and can't talk on the mic for that matter either. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mabel coming in with five points, number 14 on our list, our fourth honorable mention, tied with this other pick that also had five points, and they got the five points from being number six on my personal list. We're talking about Natalia coming in at number 14, tied with Mabel. With five points as our fourth honorable mention, um, Natalia, man, I, uh, Natalia, in my opinion, is like the the Ronnie Garvin of the women's division. She's wow. just she's just kind of there, you know. She's there. She's been there for a long time, but she's got almost nothing to show for it. You know, it's like her, her claim to fame is, you know, she's part of the Hart family. She's Jim the Anvil Nightheart's daughter. You know, she's been in the WWE for God easily like 15 years, I want to say. But again, like, what does she really have to show for it? She's she's not a bad wrestler. Right? She does have good matches, but she just doesn't really have, you know, they've never really had her push to any kind of full potential. You know, her charisma is not there. 
You know, she's she's never really been one for being a charisma machine. Um, like I said, she. I remember that awful gimmick that they had with her, where she was like farting all the time. I, I, I that she was awful. That one. Yeah. Um, and that just goes to show you they had nothing else for her to do. I mean, when you're relegated to doing shit like that, you know, it's God, it's like, you're never going to confuse Natalia with somebody like Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch or Sasha Banks or a lot of the newer female wrestlers that are up there and making waves, even when she was younger and had you know, I guess more of a, an ability. She didn't set herself apart. You know, like I said, she's just always just kind of been there. And I think from her pedigree and her abilities in the ring, to be honest with you, because like I said, she's not an awful wrestler. She's actually a really good wrestler. She, she just should have had more to show for it. And she didn't. And Yeah. I mean, and there's been plenty of other female wrestlers that have been shown the door who have done more than Natalia has. So, yeah, I would put Natalia in my overrated pile, and that's exactly where she is. Tied with Mabel here on our list at number 14 with five points. Can I chime in really quick? Yeah, go ahead, Bob. I mean, uh, I see your point in Natalia, but... um... I, when when you mentioned her, I mean, if we're talking about female wrestlers, the first person that pops into my head is Sable, and then after that, Nia Jax. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Nia Jax. I mean, I feel like Natalia at least had more talent than both of those two did combined. Yeah, she did. But my argument is, it's like with Nia Jax, she's got awful in the ring. Everybody knows that she's a fucking liability. She gets people injured, and Sable. Sable, everybody knows she was just there for her looks. You know, she was never a great wrestler. He was a when great Natalia, wrestler, bro. Come on, yeah. bro. But, but with Natalia, the reason I have her as an over as overrated is because she has the ability. It's just that she has nothing to show for it, and she's just been there for so long. And it has, like, absolutely almost nothing to show for it. And I... Yeah, I mean, that was just my justifications. Like, she could have done so much more with her time that she's had in the company. She's still with the company. Um, and But, you know, it's at this point, you know, like I said, she's been in there for a long time. She's in her 40s now, I believe. So, she, you know, her peak is kind of past her. I, I yeah, I totally understand. Sable was got awful in the ring, and she definitely is overrated as well and Nia Jax god Nia Jax is a damn nightmare but I don't know just something about Natalia just I just yeah I just never got it I never got it so that's why I had her at number six on my list so yeah all right well I mean that being said let's move on to our last honorable mention here. Our last honorable mention coming in at number 15 comes in with four points and he got the four points for being number 10 on my list and number eight on Bob's list. We're talking about the Sandman coming in at number 15, our last honorable mention, Bob, what you got to say about the Sandman? 
this one was harder for me because I, I love the Sandman as a character. Um, you know, he I think we talked about his entrance in the past was kind of similar to that as, you know, the Undertaker's entrance where you were there for the entrance, for the music, for, you know, the uh, him walking down to the ring with the cigarette and him, you know, drinking the beer and just it, it was like a concert atmosphere and you had to be there. Um, but when it actually came down to the man being in the ring with his ability, um, it, it was just, the guy was super over, super popular with the fans when it came to that. But I, I don't remember the Sandman being amazing on the mic. I don't remember his wrestling ability being fantastic. I, I felt like he was super sloppy in the ring. Um, you know, he would wrap his body in barbed wire and throw it around and hit people and then hit people with a kendo stick and stuff like that. But I mean, for the guy, his finisher was the white Russian leg sweep, which is one of the simple basic moves that, you know, you hear that you learn right away in wrestling school. And he would do that move and he would attach a a kendo stick to it just to add more emphasis or oomph to it. Um, But, you know, it it was just that was the Sandman. And then eventually WCW wants him and they they repackage him and they give you the same character as ECW, but they call him Hack. You know, there, there was no progression. There was no changing and uh, that's just why I had to put him on the list, just because I felt like the kind of like the Ultimate Warrior, you know, the entrance was amazing. But once he was in the ring, it, it was there was nothing that, uh, you know, made me scream. I must watch Sandman matches. And, and the guy had the ECW heavyweight championship five times and he was tag team champ. But he was perfect for ECW in that. He was just what ECW was and stood for, but when you brought him over to WCW or the WWF, just no. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, he was number 10 on my list. Um, yeah, like you said, like like with Warrior and also, you know, with the guy that I had on my list too that didn't make the cut with like new Jack, to be honest with you, it's all about the intro. It's all about, you know, just him going in there and, you know, getting the crowd riled up. And once it actually comes to the match, there's nothing doing, man. It's like Sandman, like you said, he was just, he was a brawler. He had almost no in-ring skills whatsoever, you know, just very basic shit. And he was able to parlay that into being one of the faces of ECW and also into a very lucrative stay in WCW. It was, and WWE, he, he had a run in WWE too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's with the zombie was underrated. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I, I don't, I, I don't think there's a, a wrestler you can really think of that did more with less than the Sandman did. So yeah, I could I I totally agree. He's he's overrated and he gets our last honorable mention slot here at number 15 with 4 points. All right. Well, that brings us to our top pick, gentlemen, and our top pick comes in with 17 points and he got those 17 points from being number 4 on my personal list and Bob, you had him all the way at number 1. The other half of Adam's worst pay-per-view main event of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about big, sexy Kevin Nash coming in at number one with 17 points. Bob, what do you have to say about Nash and his being the most overrated wrestler of all time? 
So Kevin Nash, um, two-time tag team champ in the WWF, IC champ, heavyweight champ, nine-time WCW champ, five-time WCW heavyweight champ. Um, again, a super big man. Now, Kevin Nash was fantastic on the mic. Great on the mic, um, but super, super limited in the ring. Um, I, I try to think of a Kevin Nash match, and it, the, the, the things that came to me in my mind were the big boot. Uh, I'm going to throw you in the corner, and I'm going to give you a couple elbow strikes. I'm going to do the snake eyes move, the sidewalk slam, um, the power bomb, and and, and I might have forgotten like a few clotheslines here and there, but uh, that, that was a Kevin Nash match to me. Uh, and even when he did the power bomb, like I felt like he did it super sloppily. Like he, he, I felt like he didn't care for his opponents in the ring. Um, you know, he was sloppy and he didn't protect them. Uh, and, and here's another one. Like we mentioned Jeff Jarrett. Like I felt like the guy was just always out for himself. And it was the who's who of who he knew that got him protected in the business. Um, when he was actually champ as Diesel, you always hear... Uh, many people say that that was the low point for the companies when it came to pay-per-view buy rates and for TV time because no one wanted to see Diesel as champ. Uh, you had your Bret Hart's, you had your Undertaker's, you had you know your Shawn Michaels, but Diesel as champion just brought all that down. Um, he again, he had the look, he had the appearance, he had the mic skills, and just. I felt like once he was in the ring, he was just super severely limited. But, you know, you had the backing of the click when you were in the WWF. And then you leave and you join uh, WCW and you create the NWO. And you have the backing there and you have the power and the stroke there to do whatever this that you want. You know, you could hold whoever you wanted down, which he was known for doing. Um you know, and always make himself out to look as this amazing wrestler. He was the one that decided, I'm going to be the one that breaks Goldberg's streak, you know. And then eventually when he got tired of doing that, he goes over to uh, TNA because, again, he's buddy-buddy with Jeff Jarrett. And there again, he he's made champion as well. So uh, I feel like super limited. He had the look. He had the appearance. He had a, all the other things. But I felt like we, we got a lot of Kevin Nash because of, I'm buddy with this person and I want to look out for myself and do what's best for me. And he just didn't have the whole total package. Like we mentioned earlier as wrestlers should have been. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like I said, he had, he had a great look. He, you know, just charismatic guy, you know, just funny, smart, great on the mic. But yeah, just in the ring, he just did not have it. You know, it was, uh, it, you know, nobody really accuses Kevin Nash of being vanilla as fuck because really he's not. But in the ring, definitely. He's just, you know, he has his own personal five moves of doom and that's it, you know. And like you said, and it was just how he got that many championships you know you can get you know like like you said you can attribute that a lot to the fact that he was a booker in WCW and kind of looked out for himself fine but you know his time in WWE or WWF Vince was just in love with his size and in love with his look but that didn't translate into 
drawing that didn't translate in the pay-per-view buys. It didn't translate into success, which is why he was not very long with the belt, you know? And yeah, Kevin Nash is just, you know, I, I, I like Kevin Nash. He's a, he's a good performer, you know, and I love his, his shoot interviews are fucking entertaining as hell, but you know, he's just in the ring. Yeah, definitely very overrated. Just based on his accolades and based on all the championships he's won, nothing he did in the ring justified that. So, yeah, I'm totally okay with him being number one on this list. Um, Adam, he wasn't on your list, but what do you have to say about Kevin Nash? I'm going to include a few quotes from our good friend Jim Cornette. He's got six moves, no mobility, and just about enough time to cover up for some of it. (laughs) <laughs> and what Bob was going over his moose set, uh, he missed the hair flip. Uh, Cornette oh, yeah. Yeah, has commented the on the boot, uh, the elbow strikes, uh, the sidewalk slam, the hair flip, and the and the power bomb. So I think we we narrowed it down. Oh um, no 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 no! You for, you forget the straps, the lowering of the straps. Oh yes, of course. Um. Yeah. Uh. I. I, I also. Uh, had him in mind also when I was making my list. Ultimately, there were bigger guys uh, that that pissed me off even more than than him. Um, but yeah, again, there's a recurring theme through this list, and it's you know Vince being uh, you know just uh, obsessed with the size and the presentation, and um, as Jr. would say, uh, you know the, there was no sizzle to the steak, you know no sizzle to the steak at all in terms of his work in the ring. Um, yeah, I agree with everything. Yeah, I, I think he's, yeah, he's gifted on the mic. Uh, I too think he gives great shoot interviews um, and all that. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, the politics he pointed out, uh, yeah, can't deny it. Bob said nine-time WCW champ. That blows my mind. That's tag champ. That's, oh, tag champ, sorry. Um, five. five? Yeah. Okay, that's that's too many reigns, obviously. Um, yeah, the the biggest problem I have with him is yeah how he politicked himself at WCW. Um, obviously the click also. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a good it's a good pick for sure. Um, it's just again indicative of, um, you know, some guy, someone who you know has something, but it just you know it doesn't translate over. Um, again, we keep saying the total package, ironically, um, whether these guys have it or not. And yeah, uh, I don't think you're going to find anyone who's going to say Kevin Nash, uh, is great in the ring. So, um, so yeah, he's, he had, he does have a lot going for him. Uh, he's, he's a big name, but yeah, I, I can see, uh, putting him at the top of this list. Cause yeah, there's, there's not much going on, uh, once he steps in the ring and the bell rings. Yeah, well, there you have it. Our pick for the top number one most overrated wrestler of all time with 17 points, Big Sexy Kevin Nash. All right, well, that's the list, folks. Like we do every week, let's run it back from number 10 all the way back up to number one. At number 10 with seven and a half points, we had Hacksaw Jim Duggan. At number nine, we had a tie. 
both with coming in at eight points between Billy Gunn and Jerry Lawler. And number eight with nine points, we had Ronnie Garvin. And number seven with 10 points, we had Hulk Hogan. And number six, also with 10 points, but beating out Hogan by tiebreaker, was Sid. At number five, also with 10 points, but beating out Sid again because of a tiebreaker, we have Lex Luger. At number four, with 12 points, we have JBL. At number three, with 12 and a half points, Jeff Jarrett. At number two, with 15 points, was the Ultimate Warrior. And like we just had, at number one, with 17 points, Kevin Nash. So there you go. Our picks for the top 10 most overrated wrestlers of all time. Uh, Bob, what do you have? What do you say about the list? Do you think it's a fair representation of overrated wrestlers? Yeah, I mean, I do. And, and, we we had a lot of big names on there, um, like you mentioned the the Hogans and the Lawlers and the Cenas, uh, but again, I, I feel like um, some of them deserve to be on here. I mean, like I said, uh, they a lot of these people deserve to be on here. Obviously, that's why they're on here. But um, some of them you thought were controversial, controversial, but I agree with you in a lot of behalf of it, and uh, I thought it was a good list overall. Nice. How about you, Adam? How do you feel about the list? Yeah, uh, a lot of big names on there, but uh, but none that I would, you know, violently disagree with. Um, so yeah, um, it's it, it, and again, the, the really cool thing about the last two episodes is, uh, you know, a lot of the time when we have have a show, uh, the winner will have you know twenty six total points or even a perfect thirty, but. But it's it's the the field is pretty spread uh, for the last two shows, and I think that's really cool, just because that gives us the chance to uh, really talk a lot about a lot of different guys and and get all our perspectives, and it's and it's really interesting. And yeah, I I I, uh, I don't disagree with anyone on the list. Um, they're definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like you said, controversial in the sense that they're legendary names. But if you really think about it, um, you know, there's something missing uh, there that that gets them on the list. Or again, just way too much exposure, way too much TV time. And and uh, yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to argue uh, a lot of names on this list weren't the victims of of, of one of those factors. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. Our top 10 overrated wrestlers of all time. I hope you guys enjoyed that list. And uh, yeah, there we go. If you guys have any agreements or disagreements, like I said, you can make it be known with with your feedback on the show. All right. That's our show for this week. But like we do before we go every week, we have our match of the match of the week picks. Uh, These are matches that the three of us are going to suggest you guys watch in the meantime, in between time before our next show. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. What's your match of the week pick this week? Since Kevin Nash was my number one, I had a hard time trying to find a good Kevin Nash match. Um, But the one that always just kept standing out to me, it was um, 1995 at Survivor Series. He had a match with Bret Hart. Um, 
it's all Bret Hart pretty much uh, that makes the match a good match. Um, but it showed some kind of athletic ability from Kevin Nash. Uh, so that's my match. Survivor Series 95, Bret Hart, um, Kevin Nash, Diesel. Nice. How about you, Adam? What's your match of the week? Uh, I made reference to this match early in the show um, before Hacksaw Jim Duggan made a mockery of the U.S. title in WCW. Um, a young, stunning Steve Austin um, was defending the U.S. title against uh, one Ricky Steamboat, and uh, they had a couple matches, um, Austin versus Steamboat at Bash at the Beach, 1994. Um and then a second match at Clash of the Champions. So um, I heard those two matches, uh, you know, uh, Austin, an up-and-comer, one of the best young talents at the, in the business at that time, and, and Steve Boat was the veteran, but, uh, you know, obviously could still bring it. Sadly, the Clash of the Champions match would be Steamboat's last match for well over a decade. Um, he injured himself in the second match but was able to, to finish it, but... Uh, just uh, this reminds me of what makes professional wrestling great. Just two guys, uh, great talents going out there telling a great story, uh, and and the, for the title when it meant something and not not as a prop, uh, which would happen after Austin had to drop the belt to Duggan. So, there you go. All right. Well, my match of the week pick this week. Um, it's a different one because I'm not picking it because it's so good. I'm picking it kind of to go with the theme this week, and I'm picking it because it's so bad. We mentioned it on the show this week. Um, it's the Halloween Havoc 98 match between Hogan and the Warrior. <laughs> you know, if you truly want to see how awful a wrestling match can be, you know, it. this match is like a car wreck. You know, it's so bad you don't want to watch it, but you just can't turn yourself away. Yeah. I would ju- I would definitely suggest it just to keep him with the topic of this week of just overrated wrestlers. Yeah, that match between the Warrior and Hogan at at Halloween Havoc '98 was just god awful. And if you have the network, give it a shot. You know, it's it's definitely buyer beware. But you know, yeah, I, I would you owe it to yourself if you call yourself a wrestling fan to watch it just just for how bad it is. I want this flash paper light, brother. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, those are our match of the week picks. All right. Well, that's the end of the show this week. We want to thank everybody for listening. And we also want to hear from you. Like I said, you know, if you have a different opinion or if you agree with our opinions as far as our overrated wrestlers or our underrated wrestlers, if you want your own picks read on the air and if you want us to critique or agree or whatever with your list, drop us a line. You could do it one of two ways. Either you can email us. Our email address is enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. That's enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. Or you could do what a lot of people do and contact us through our Facebook fan page. Just go on to Facebook, uh, look up the enhancement talent, and request 
to be added. Myself, Adam, and Bob are all admins on the on the page. So anything that you write down will be seen by all three of us, and we will definitely give you our feedback. And like I said, any and all feedback will be shared on the show at a later date. All right. Like, again, thank you again for listening. We really appreciate the support. We really appreciate the listenership. You guys are what makes this uh, podcast fun and worthwhile. So, yeah, just keep it up. And we hope to hear from you guys soon. So, for, (coughs) excuse me, for the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolavik, and for the other half of the Fabulous Lopez Cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez, I'm Tony Lopez. And we will see you guys again next week. Be safe and have a good week.